You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Good to have you joining us. I want to read you a, a testimony from one of our home churches. Um, during this COVID season, we launched a, a ministry really that's going to continue on past this season into our future of small groups and connecting relationally. And I just love this uh, testimony that was sent in. Most of our, the, the person wrote, most of our small home church made it through the doors of Westside today for the first time in six months. As you might can tell already, we've started opening up, uh, having about 100 people in each of our gatherings. And, uh, and so our home, one of our home churches came, uh, first time in six months, and she wrote, she wrote, and boy, did it feel good to be in our church building. We spontaneously decided after the service to still meet back at my husband and I's home to have coffee, a simple breakfast, and continue this beautiful thing we've been called into with our home church. We talked over the discussion questions given at the end of the sermon, but we also spoke about how thankful we are for the leadership at Westside and their commitment to pushing us out of our church within the four walls of the building mindset. As disorienting as, disorienting as this pandemic has been on so many levels, I really think God is up to something. My husband and I and the other couples in our small group truly feel like we are in a place of redefining church. We talked in our group this morning about how our two and three-year-olds are forming their first real experiences with church in, these current, in this current pandemic days, which if you asked us four months ago, might have felt like such a loss. For them, church has been nothing like what we experienced as children, and we are beginning to think that this could be a really amazing thing. While this is all is still new for us, what a gift it's been for our children to see and experience church as a time of gathering with those God has placed in our lives, a time to come into each other's literal and figuratively messy spaces to be honest about exactly where we're at with the hard questions, the weariness, the wins and the losses of our days as busy spouses, parents, and friends. We have found ourselves leaning into this opportunity to be fully known, loved, and encouraged in a way that we haven't experienced before. I really think God is so glad we are experiencing him through the tangible embrace we've received from our home church people. So I just want to encourage you, if you're not part of a home church, get in one, <laughs> um, find one, start one. Um, you can get more information about our home churches at westsidehome.org. And uh, I want to encourage you just to lean in, lean into this moment. Um, and I believe it'll, it'll be a, a win for you. Um, no matter what you're facing. Well, I want us to dive right into the book of Joel. We're in this series that we started uh, three weeks ago. And to do that, I want us to watch the second half of a Bible project video uh, that we are um, including in these messages. And this will give us kind of the overview of the last half of the book of Joel. Watch this. Now, up to this point, the poems tell a powerful story about Joel leading Israel to see how their sin led to disaster and divine judgment and that with the God of mercy, there is always hope. But Joel sees in all of these past events an image of the future day of the Lord. And so, in the final section of the book, Joel writes three more poems that match God's three-part response. And he weaves together images from other prophetic books and expands it all into a vision of hope for all creation. So first, the hope of God's presence among his people gets expanded into a promise about how one day in the future, God's own spirit, his personal life presence, will fill not just the temple, but all of his people. And here Joel is drawing upon the promises of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel that God's spirit would come to transform and empower his people so that they can truly love and follow him. 
Joel then picks up God's promise that he'll confront the threatening invader. And Joel sees in these ravaging locusts a similarity to the arrogant, violent nations of his own day that ravage and oppress people. And so he draws upon the promises of Isaiah and Zephaniah and Ezekiel about the future day of the Lord, when God will confront evil among all the nations and turn their violence back on themselves, bringing justice to right all wrongs. And finally, Joel picks up the images of the land's restoration, and he sees here a hope for the renewal of all creation. So he draws on the promises of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah that God's final day of justice will be followed by a restoration of the entire world, a new Eden, where God's presence in Jerusalem will flow out like a river and bring about cosmic renewal. And so Joel's poem ends with God's forgiveness and mercy opening up a whole new creation. And so this little book of Joel, it explores profound ideas about how human sin and failure wreak such devastating destruction in our world, about how God longs to show mercy to those who will just own up to their sin and confess it, and about how all of that leads us to hope that God will one day defeat evil in our world, but also inside of us, and bring his healing presence to make all things new. And that's what the book of Joel is all about. Great. So let's uh, pray, and we'll be done with church early today. That's uh, that's the book of Joel. Um, actually, this last these last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about repentance and how repentance is a call uh, not to feel bad about ourselves, but about having a relationship with God, about restoring relationship with God. It's not about just believing in God, but it's about having a connection with God. And uh, this is so important. So then Joel moves, as the video mentioned, Joel moves now to talking about from the present day of the Lord to the future day of the Lord, something that that the, the people in the Old Testament begin to look forward to. They begin to, to, to dream about this, what the, these prophets uh, were talking about, especially in Joel, that God is going to defeat um, this coming army, whatever, this, whatever it was going to be. They weren't even sure, but God was going to win the day. God was going to restore the devastated land and that God was going to bring his divine presence to be among his people. And it all connects to this overarching theme that we talked about years ago here uh, in the series we did in Jeremiah to create, restore, and redeem, that God has been working to create, restore, and redeem humanity back to himself, even the whole earth back to himself uh, throughout this the narrative of scripture. And we're part of that. And, and during this season, it, it feels like God has hit the reset button. It feels like he's It's like he's pushed the button. He's like, I want to do a fresh work in my church. I want to do something new to rekindle our first love, to remind us what's really important, to get us back focused on him and his way and his purposes for our lives. And this is what I know. And what I see in the book of Joel is that God is always at work to reconnect us to himself. And we see it here at the end of Joel chapter 2. The last few uh, verses of of Joel chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 28, and it says, And it shall come to pass afterward, after all of this, you know, kind of trouble has happened that Joel prophesies, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. I don't know why I'm crying. Maybe because I'm getting old. I don't know, but I'm, I'm emotional this morning. And your young men shall see visions. 
Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. That's a big deal. It was such a, a male-driven society, and it's, just, it's a big deal. In verse 30, and I will show you wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. It's kind of the final day of the Lord that Joel prophesies about. Um, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Joel describes an era um, called the last days. Um, These last days began with the ministry of Jesus Christ. When he came to earth, he died uh, died on a cross and was risen from the dead. That's the last days began and concludes with this day of the Lord that Joel describes uh, that this where where Jesus returns and brings judgment on the earth, and we're living in this in between time. We're living in these last days, and Joel expounds in poetic terminology. By the way, it's, it's the whole book is poetry over uh, about what this in between time looks like and what God's ultimate goal is. And so for the next three weeks, the last three weeks of the series, we're going to talk about what can we expect, what can we anticipate. Uh, in these last days as it culminates to that day of the Lord. And the first goal that we see that God wants to accomplish is that God's spirit will be on all, that God's spirit will fall on all of us. In the New Testament, we see this happen at the day of Pentecost. It was, it was like the disciples are praying and they're, they're, see, they're doing what Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, hey, stay in Jerusalem and pray, and I'm going to send my spirit Uh, that I promise, and he's going to come to you, and he's going to be in you, and he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to help you. And, and, and so they did. They waited, and they prayed, and they, and they were waiting, and and then, and then the Spirit of God just like came into the room, fell on each of them, and they spoke in languages that the Spirit had given to them. And as a result of the languages that they were speaking, but they didn't know, right? They didn't know what they were speaking, but, but God knew. And God poured his spirit out on them. And they began to speak in, a, in these languages. Random people all over Jerusalem began to hear these men and women speak in tongues that they obviously didn't know, they didn't learn, but God gave them utterance for, and they were glorifying God. And these people from all the different parts of the world heard these men and women glorifying God in their own tongue, in their own language. And thousands of people came to Jesus in that moment. The Spirit, see, the Spirit brought in that moment people from different tribes and language groups together to, and they accepted Christ and they became part of this, this family of God. God called the ecclesia, the, the gathering, the church the people that would later be called Christians because they followed the way of Christ. As we think about this moment in Pentecost, many scholars believe that this this might be a restoration of what happened at the Tower of Babel. Now, now if you remember your Sunday school days, this the Tower of Babel, whereas it was in the book of Genesis where humanity is trying to seek their own... um, you know, to become gods themselves. They're kind of walking out their, their arrogance and their power and their wealth. And so they decide they're going to build this tower to the heavens. And, 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 and God intentionally disperses humanity at that moment. He, he, he causes them to speak in languages that they don't understand each other. And as a result, they, they, uh, tribalism, and they begin to form groups and, and, they, and, they, and they are dispersed. 
because they just don't understand, right? And so they move into these smaller tribes. Many scholars believe that this day of Pentecost reverses that moment and that the Spirit falling on all flesh gives tongues that bring people together, gives languages that bring people together, makes them one in Christ. For centuries, God's presence came to just a select few. You know, people that had special jobs to do, like Moses delivering the people out of Egypt, the Spirit of God would fall upon him. The prophets, as they, as they like Joel, as they uttered God's word, the Spirit would fall on them. Um, the judges, throughout the book of Judges, there would be, the Spirit would fall on them, like, like Samson. Samson's one, a judge, where the Spirit would fall on him and he'd have all this great strength and he would work on God's behalf, right? Great leaders like David, and so on. The Spirit would fall on individual people that had a special task to do. But here, Joel sees a day where all can experience the Spirit of God. Men and women, old and young, Jew and Gentile, regardless of status or spiritual aptitude, everyone everywhere can experience the life-giving power of the Spirit of God. And then Joel um, references a prophecy, uses a portion of prophecy found in the book of Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 32, which describes a broken world and, 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 and until the spirit of God like enters in and does something new and fresh into it. And notice what changes as a result of the spirit coming. And Mike, Mike read this at the beginning of the, our service today, verse 15. Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and check this out, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, and then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Isaiah is describing a place of dryness, a place of um, wandering, a place of barrenness, a place of uncertainty and regret, a place of wondering, of uncertainty. In the Tower of Babel, that story in Genesis describes a place of discord and disharmony and power and money used for selfish ambition. It's... It's actually not so unlike the world we live in today where people are striving for power. People are striving to make a name for themselves. People are experiencing barrenness. People are experiencing this season of dryness and uncertainty and confusion. And, and when the spirit of God falls, the world becomes a garden. It begins a reversal a change, both personally and who we are and becoming more like Jesus and our own lives become more beautiful, but also the land around us, the, the, the people around us begin to be influenced by the Spirit of God working through us and justice and righteousness begin to reign in those places where the Spirit of God falls, in those people where the Spirit of God lands and what has become dry and destitute flourishes once Again, it was uh, 1989. I remember the year because I was a senior 
uh, in high school. It was the year I graduated. And I was going through a really dark season. It was, um, you know, I grew up in the church, and from a very young age, I just had this closeness with Jesus. It was this, this strange kind of friendship and, and just this closeness. And, um, and I remember it went dark, like, um, and for a lot of different reasons I'm not going to go into, but it just went dark, and I couldn't hear God. I couldn't sense his presence any longer. Emotionally, spiritually, it was just this dark season, and maybe you can relate to that in this moment in your own lives. And I remember talking to my dad, who was a pastor, and my dad and I didn't talk a ton about my spiritual journey, but I was at, at my wits end. I didn't know what else, I didn't know what else to do. My poor dad is the last, last, <laughs> last guy I went to, I guess, but I didn't know what else to do. And I, I talked to my dad about my struggle and, and he asked me a question that I, at first, at first I thought that has nothing to do with my struggle. I just told you about the darkness I'm feeling, the lack of connection with God. And I, he asked me this question. It didn't seem to relate to what I was going through. And he asked me two, two things. He asked me if I was filled with the Holy Spirit and if I, and when was the last time I had spoken in tongues? And now some of you that are unfamiliar, we are a Pentecostal church and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never heard a preacher talk about this. Um, but my dad asked me like, when was the last time you spoke in your spiritual language? And I was like, that's, that's not the point, dad. I, not, I, don't, I don't need that. Well, it, it had been a long time actually. I, since I had spoken the spiritual language that God gave me as a child. And so I went outside, and it was dark, it was night, and I, and I just remember this so clearly. I asked Jesus, to refill me with his Holy Spirit, and he did. And he gave me a new language that I just began to speak. And my problems weren't resolved that night, but the darkness subsided. The light began to emerge. The clouds rolled away, and I felt free again. This happened again just a few years ago when when I wasn't sure I would make it after the death of Chase, my oldest son. I wasn't sure how I was going to navigate that. I wasn't sure if I could get to the other side of that. And I remember the moment where I came back and I asked Jesus to refill me with his Holy Spirit and to give me a new language and And the light began to emerge again. I've been experiencing this over these last several months as the darkness has tried to creep in during this COVID season and has tried to discourage and break down. And, um, and I've leaned in and I've asked Jesus every day to fill me again with his Holy Spirit and to give me a new language. And as I pray in this language as I seek his face, as the spirit of God draws me into his presence, the darkness is rolling away and the light is emerging. The garden 
is being planted and it's beginning to bear fruit. And, 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 I, and I, I tell you these stories because I, I think sometimes we get hung up on speaking in tongues. I think sometimes we, we don't seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We don't invite the Holy Spirit to work in our lives because we're so afraid, like, what is this and what's that about? And some people have made us feel guilty that if we don't speak in a spiritual language and so we don't ever pursue the Holy Spirit, I just want to, I just want to don't get hung up on that. Seek God. Ask him for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Ask him right now to fill you with his presence because that's what he desires more than anything else. It's not that we would speak in other languages. He desires that we would be connected to him. He desires that we would have a relationship with him, a deep and intimate and abiding relationship with God. And that can only happen as we allow ourselves to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit that he sent for us, that he promised in Joel and that he gave to the early church and that he continues to pour out upon us all. I don't actually believe that we can fully understand the heart of God without the work of the Spirit. We can't truly bring justice and righteousness and peace and rest and goodness to our world without the Holy Spirit. And here's the greatest gift is we don't have to strive for it. It's a gift given freely. Look at the words that Isaiah uses in this passage. It's just, it's just so beautiful that he will pour out peace. He will pour out quietness and trust. How many of you need a little bit more quietness in your life right now? You know what I'm saying? I mean, man, can we just, can we just pray for November 3rd or is that the day Tuesday? And yeah, can we just pray for that day to happen quickly and let us just continue and like, as if that's going to solve all of our problems. Um, we know that won't, but the Holy Spirit to guide us into peace and quietness. That word peace is the, is the Hebrew word shalom. It means more than just a quietness of spirit. It is, it describes a flourishing of life that happens around the pe people of God who experience shalom. That's why it's one of the primary greetings of Hebrew people to each other is they greet each other with shalom because they want to speak life flourishing over other people's lives. See, when the Spirit of God comes, He does the work of reconciliation and justice through us. We don't have to strive. We just simply have to surrender. Yet I know this to be true because I know this in my own life that most of us find it difficult to walk in the Spirit. And I think part of the problem is that most of us are working so hard to try and figure everything out in our own strength. We don't take the time to pause, to hit the reset button, and to let God do what only God can do. We're fighting a battle we're not meant to fight. We're building towers we're not meant to build. And powerful things can happen when we surrender ourselves to the work of the Spirit. He can turn our mourning into dancing. He can right wrongs. He can turn wilderness into gardens. Church, we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today and tomorrow and the next day after that. Apart from the Spirit, we cannot find peace. We cannot find rest. We cannot experience joy and hope. So I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And we're going to, they're going to sing a portion of a song I think we sang earlier. And I, 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 want, I want to invite you to 
as the worship team sings over us, I want you to invite the Spirit of God, the work of the Spirit of God to flow through you. Ask Him to fill you. Ask Him to work in you. Ask Him to use you. Ask Him to fill you. Because I'm sure like so many of us, we need a reversal. We need, we need wildernesses to turn into gardens. We need um, despair to turn into hope. We need, we need uh, death to turn into life. We need the work of the Spirit, and only the Spirit can do those things. Only the Spirit can bring that kind of reversal into our lives. So would you surrender to Jesus during this next moment? Would you give him your life, your worry, your unrest. And I use that word surrender on purpose. I was actually going to use the word submit, but I felt like maybe some of you need to hear that word too. Maybe, maybe some of you need to submit yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit. But I like this word surrender because it's, it's kind of like I'm, I can't go any further. I, I've hit the end of my achievement, of my wisdom, of my understanding, of my know-how, of my skill set. I've kind of hit the end of that. I'm not sure where else to go. And this idea of I'm going to surrender myself to the work of the Spirit today. And in doing so, I'm going to trade, I'm going to trade my worry and my work for his grace, his rest and his joy. To hunger, to see, to thirst, awaken first love, come away. your eyes wherever you're at would you just close your eyes with me right now and would you just say this prayer with me out loud if you can um, even if you're in a public place right now would you just maybe just quietly pray this just enough for you to hear yourself say these words out loud if, if, if this is your prayer to ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit today would you say this prayer with me Jesus I need you Jesus I ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit Fill me with your spirit so I can be a better witness for you. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with your spirit. Release your gifts in me. Give me a new language. I love you and I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
There are prayer teams that are available online for those of you uh, that are viewing us right now. There are people that would love to um, connect with you if you're watching this live. Um, please reach out to them um, every day. Would you do this this week? Every day, would you ask Jesus to fill you and refill you with the Holy Spirit? Before you start going on with your day, you start getting busy, would you simply just wait and pause and ask Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit? And uh, we'll, see, we'll see you guys next week. Have a wonderful week of discussion in your home churches and wherever you're at. God bless.